Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. The scripture that was read earlier on during the prayer time, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13, it, 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 it struck a chord in my heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13. It says, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Wisdom. Ah, what an asset. Wisdom represents the capital asset for building a happy home. Wisdom. 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 And of course, wisdom is powered and fueled by understanding. So it is what you know, what you receive and understand that powers and fuels the kind of wisdom you operate. I pray today that understanding will billow upon you and that God will empower you through that which you are receiving to walk in greater wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. We're looking at building a happy home. <laughs> building a happy home. Marriage is primarily an act of obedience to God act of obedience. I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. An act of obedience to God because I know you've been taught severally you know, about how that God is the author of marriage and how God instituted marriage. I know you know all of that. You've learned all of that. Alright? So it's primarily an act of obedience to God and an act of selfless service to a fellow man. Selfless. Selfless service. Of course, it is a covenant act. Alright? And the goal of this covenant of marriage is to glorify God in your relationship and to exemplify Christ to the world. To glorify God, all right, in your relationship, the kind of life you live, and then to exemplify Christ to the world. So by observing and looking at our relationships, the world should be able to say, this is how it is supposed to be. Listen, your husband or your wife is one person, the one person in the whole world, one person whom God calls you to minister to and to bless and to encourage on his behalf. Can you imagine? He says in the whole wide world, I've picked one person for you that you are married to. Okay, you married the person, so that's it. Now you are married. He says, okay, this person that you are married to, love them on my behalf. Minister to them on my behalf. Encourage them on my behalf. Show them what unconditional love is. Show them what it is what the relationship between me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, show them what it is like. One person you know, in the whole world, one. And many of us are breathing under the weight of that. <laughs> and that's because wisdom is lacking. But today, God will empower us by his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I shock you by letting you know this morning that you do not own your marriage? You don't own your marriage. You are only a steward of your spouse's love. Yes, I said that. You don't own it. All this, my, my, my. There's no my anywhere. You're going to see that very soon. You are just a steward, a privileged steward of the love of another child of God that God graciously gave to you to minister to and to take care of on his behalf. So when you marry someone, what you're saying therefore is, I want to spend the rest of my life. I want to spend all that I have and all that I am in the pursuit of this person's happiness and their well-being. That's what you say when you get married to someone. <laughs> and you see, the funny thing is this. In pursuing their own happiness, 
in doing that, my own happiness will be guaranteed. That's the paradox. So your own happiness does not come by you pursuing it directly. It comes by you pursuing the well-being and the happiness of the other person. It's, it's, it's incredible. But that's how God packaged it. That marriage should be all about sacrifice. It should be all about serving. It should be all about giving and forgiving. Giving and forgiving. Sacrifice and serving. We must remember, and this is really foundational, that God is the subject of life, not man. God. God is the focus. God. It has to be about him all the time. It has to be about his will. It has to be about his counsel all the time. You can never be happy doing as you pleased. Never be truly happy doing the way you like. This is how I want it. This is my own way. You can't be truly happy and you cannot build a happy relationship like that. Doing just as you pleased. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. We all know this verse, verse of scripture. Very important, very powerful. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over and, and everything. Listen, according to this scripture, <laughs> very loaded. And I pray that the Lord gives you understanding. According to this scripture, marriage is God's secret for earthly dominion. 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 So when your marriage is what it is supposed to be, you will not struggle with dominion. Dominion will be automatic for you. In the same vein, when you are fighting each other, guess what? You are not really fighting each other. You are fighting your dominion. You are fighting your rulership, your ability to reign and get ahead. That is what you are fighting. <laughs> I think this is something that many of us do not know, which probably the devil knows more than we do. Dominion will be near, it will be automatic for you. Now, someone is wondering, so if I'm not married, so if I'm single, there's no dominion for me. There is plenty of dominion for you. That's why as a single person, you can do so much for God in your relationship with him because you are complying with the rules. But listen, the moment you get married, the rules change. The moment you get married, you, the rules change. Now, your dominion is tied to the state of your marriage. That's why the Bible tells husbands, he say, look, if you don't want your prayer to be hindered, be careful how you treat your wife. Because the moment you marry someone, your destinies become inextricably linked. That's how it is. Inextricably. Something permanent happens to you. And it affects the totality of your being. And this is even research-backed. It affects your health. It affects everything. It affects everything about you, your productivity, everything about you. And I think even the world, they know it better than we know it in the body of Christ. Some years back in the U.S., there's a couple I know. They live in Texas. And I was aware at that time, we were in New York. I was aware at that time that he was uh, doing a cause in Boston, in Harvard. Then one day, the wife calls me, and then, and then she says, oh, I'm with my husband. I'm like, ah, what are you doing in Boston? You're supposed to be in Texas. Why are you disturbing the man? He's in school. She said, no. 
Apparently, that course, the course is for uh, top executives, all right, CEOs and all that. It's a specialized course. Apparently, <laughs> in Harvard, in that particular course, in the final week or two of the, of the course, they make the spouses come and be part of the class, the final week. They make the, the spouses come and be part of the course. Why? Because they realize the importance of a stable home in the productivity and in the output and in the success and in the happiness of a marriage. Secular people, they understand that. And then that reminded me of this scripture about dominion. Today, amongst other things, God will be dethroning self. Self. Because for many of us, self is sitting down and has crossed leg and don't tire up in our hearts. Self. It's all about me, myself, and I. But that will be altered today in the mighty name of Jesus. So there is a need for us to see the big picture. See the big picture. When you are tempted, when you are angry, see the big picture. There is so much more at stake than just that I said this, you said that. There's much more at stake. It's beyond just I did this, you didn't do that, I don't like. It's much more than that. So much more at stake. We will not sell out in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Ah, hallelujah, there's so much to say. The problem with a lot of us is that we are need-driven rather than being purpose-driven. That's the problem. We are need-driven. It is our needs that determine the things that we do and how we respond to each other and the choices that we make rather than being focused on the purpose of the relationship and having an understanding beyond the immediate Having an understanding beyond just how I'm feeling right now. And that's why you see a lot of people make permanent decisions, even in temporary situations. Because they have lost sight of the big picture. The big picture. What is at stake is more than just me, you, me, you. What is at stake is generational in dimension. A big thing. Big thing. That was what happened in the case of um, Mary and Martha. Martha, of course, was need motivated. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Luke 10, 38 to verse 42. She was need driven. She was need motivated. Unlike Mary. And um, Jesus told her, hey. Uh, Jesus told Martha, he said, you are combat with too many things. But one thing is needful. That is purpose. One thing, one thing. May you find that one thing. May you find it in this relationship that you are entering into and in this marriage that you are into. May you see the big picture constantly and understand that there's so much more at stake. Quickly, I want to mention two major things, you know, two major approaches that we use that are dysfunctional in nature in building our marriages. They don't work. They are counterproductive and we should beware of them. The first one is expecting your spouse to be your source of joy and inner peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, expecting your husband or your wife to be your source of joy and your source of inner peace. <laughs> you see, until you are at peace with yourself inside of you, you cannot produce outer peace. You can't live in peace with anyone else until you are at peace with yourself. If you are at peace within yourself, then you will be at peace with each other, with other people. <sighs> Peace in your heart. That one, 
joy and contentment. That one does not come from a husband. It doesn't come from a wife. No human being has the capacity to be that to you. Only God can be that to you. And that's why he needs to be placed in the right position and in the right place in your heart. That's why you need to put him in the right place and put your husband or your wife in the right place as well. Because when you marry someone, you marry them words and all. You marry people in loaves, not in slices. You have to love them, the whole loaf, not in slices. Loaves. You know loaf of bread. Do you know loaf of bread? Put people where they belong. No human being has the power and the capacity to be the source of joy and contentment. So if you are not at peace inside your heart, that's where you have insecurities. That's where you have fears. Those are the things that fear, that fuel the negative things that happen in our marriages. Like jealousy, for instance. Jealousy is not a product of fear. I'm not extremely jealous because I love you. I mean, it's not a product of love. I'm not extremely jealous because I love you. I'm extremely jealous because I am fearful. It is fear that fuels that thing. Until you are at peace within yourself, you cannot know peace with anybody. And that's why many people get divorced and then they marry someone else and the same problems rear their heads because they haven't settled this matter. No human being has the capacity to be to you what only God can be to you. Hallelujah. Oh, I love this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. I love this scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He said, for he is our peace. Hallelujah. He is our peace. Can I hear you say, Jesus is my peace. He's my peace. And so with this in place, it gives you a bottomless reservoir from which you can be generous to serve your spouse. Bottomless. Because Jesus is your peace and your relationship with him is what it should be. You have a bottomless reservoir from which to be a blessing to your spouse. So, you do not look to your husband or your wife as your source of contentment and what this means basically is that you should not need your husband or your wife to treat you in a certain way in order for you to be at peace eh -eh. Eh -eh. Eh -eh. <laughs> ah hallelujah oh so does it mean when they do something wrong i won't get angry ah who wouldn't get angry at certain things yes you can yes but then you see because you are at peace your reaction or your response to what is not pleasing you will be proactive because you're in search of a solution. You are not in search of vengeance. You're not in search of dealing with somebody. Is anybody with me here this morning? You're seeking reconciliation, but all that can only be done through you know, through the prism of a stable character, stable, established, come rain or shine, this is who I am in Christ. This is, this. look, a, a fountain, the Bible says, cannot bring forth both bitter and sweet water. It's what is inside of you that you bring out, especially when you are under pressure. My challenge to you this morning is to revisit your work with God. Revisit your relationship with God and put Jesus where he belongs. And so when you, when, when you draw from him, you can't be tired. You can't be fed up because this reservoir is endless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the other one, I said I'll be looking at two major dysfunctional methods that we use which are not productive. I'll do that quickly and then I'll enter into how to build. 
The next one is basing acceptance of our spouses on their performance. Okay? So we base their accept, uh, acceptance of them on their performance. Okay? So if they don't please me, I withdraw my affection. I withdraw my love. I withdraw my approval. I withdraw my cooperation. I withdraw my support. Just self. I mean, I wish I could stand here and tell you that I had never done this before. That would, that would sound great, right? I wish I could say, oh, all my life, all these years, November 4th, last year, our marriage was 30 years. Only, only, we're just starting, we're just warming up to start. I wish I could say I had never tried all these methods before. <laughs> You know, my temperament type, in the earlier years, something goes wrong, and then I just withdraw. You know, silent treatment. Mm. Just build this invisible wall. I'm there, you know? Passive aggression. You're not shouting. You're not banging doors. But you're making a statement, you know? <laughs> What's up? I borrowed myself sense after some time. I found that it does not work. Cookie work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't base your acceptance of your spouse on their performance. That's the wrong way to build. <laughs> it is contrary to love and grace. It is contrary to love. It is contrary to grace. What you need to understand is that your love, in order for it to last, has to be out of a decision, not out of feelings. You must love your spouse out of a decision. Out of a decision. You just make up your mind to do what is right. Out of a decision. That's how to love. And that's why it can be sustainable. That's why it can be constant. That's why it cannot fail. Because it is born out of a decision. It's something you do consciously. You want a better deal from your spouse? You want a better behavior from them? Stop treating them based on where they are. Stop treating them based on what they deserve. Can I make a quick illustration, Pastor, please, with your permission? <laughs> all right. Oh, all right. I wasn't going to ask you to come. All right. I hope you don't mind that I'm bothering uh, our pastor. <laughs> all right. Look at him. Let's assume this is my husband. And then... Um, in my mind, I should have a picture of where I want him to be. Right now, please, right now, based on how he treats me and based on how he behaves, this is his level. This is where he is. And the natural thing is for me to treat him based on what he deserves at this level. True or yes? This is what you deserve. You talk to me like this, I do my own like that. You know, this is what he deserves because of how he behaves. Because of the things he does, this is what he deserves. So what do I do? I treat him based on this level. I respond to him based on this level because I think that this is what he deserves. And so that's how I treat him. But listen, if you want a change, you must envision where you want him to be. You must envision where you want her to be. And then look at it. In my mind, this is where I want him to be. So what do I do? Right now, he is over here, but this is where I want him to be. So, listen to wisdom. I begin to treat him as if he's already here. 
I begin to treat him as if he's already there. That is the faith that calls the things that be not as though they were. Faith. I begin to treat him as if he's already there. And guess what? It's only a matter of time he will step up. It's a spiritual principle. It's only a matter of time. He will step up and match up with that expectation. That's why the Bible says your expectation will not be cut off. But for as long as I continue to treat him based on where he is, he will remain like that. She will remain like that. And she'll be finding reasons why she cannot change. That's how you, that's how you marry me. That's why I be. Deal with it. <laughs> Envision where you want your spouse to be. And by faith, treat them as if they are already there. Call forth the king that you want to see. Call forth the queen that you want to see. Treat them based on that. Because you see, inside every human being, there is, there is a saint and there is the other one. Thank you, pastor. Thank you. Please give pastor a hand. There is a saint and there is the other one. The one you call is the one that will answer you. The one you address is the one that will respond to you. If you call for the Agbero, the Agbero will answer you. Neat. If you talk to the other person like a street person, that is the one that will respond. Because inside everyone, there is the saint and there is the other one. Call the one you want. Address the one you want by faith. Call the things that be not as though they were. That is how to build marriage. Unfortunately, our focus is manipulation. We manipulate the other person because we want our way. So we withhold affection, we withhold attention, we withhold support. We want to manipulate them to do things our way. It doesn't work. It is devilish. It is not of God. Hallelujah. All right, let's move very quickly. Time is moving fast. <laughs> there are laws governing every area of life. Laws. All right? Laws that must be obeyed and submitted to if you want to excel in that area. For instance, in the world of aviation, it is the law of what? Aerodynamics that holds sway. That's the law that keeps a heavy metal with human beings and luggage, you know, suspended in the, in the air for several hours. That's the law of aerodynamics. So there are laws that must be obeyed if you want to enjoy anything in that department. And the same thing applies to marriage and family. There are rules. There are laws made by the creator of marriage. And if you submit to these rules and submit to these laws, you will also enjoy the benefits thereof and be able to build the kind of marriage that will bring joy to you and bring glory to the name of the Lord. Instead of submitting to these laws, therefore, if you choose to be lawless, just know that lawlessness is sin. That's what the Bible says, all right? Lawlessness is sin. In marriage, you become one in essence. We know that Genesis 2, 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, you become one in essence, all right? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So what this means, therefore, is that the operational law guiding the smooth running of marriage is the law of oneness. The law of oneness. The law of oneness. The law of oneness. You want to be able to build a happy marriage? You want to be able to build a marriage that will last? You have to respect the law 
of oneness. <laughs> All right? The law of oneness. You see? One of the major rules here, talking about the rule of oneness, is the law that I want to expound on in the next few minutes. And that is the law of working together as a team. Working together as a team. Working together as a team. Working as a team. Husband and wife. Working as a team. You are a team. Husband and wife. You must possess this mentality. You are teammates, not opponents. You are not opponents. You are teammates. You are not opponents. Your husband is not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. You are teammates. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 Two are better than one Two are better than one Because they will always have a good reward For their labor You are teammates <laughs> Even when we disagree Or we have problems We are still teammates So we must operate as such If we intend to solve our problems It is you and me Versus the problem Not you versus me you see that? It's you and me versus this problem, not you versus me. You are not my problem. I am not your problem. <laughs> it's like running in a three-legged race. I'm sure you've seen a three-legged race before. That's what marriage is like. Like running a three-legged race. If you try to push ahead of your partner without their cooperation, both of you will fall. But if you work together in sync, in synergy, then you'll make progress and you breast the tape. That is what Marriage is all about, and that is what it means to work as teammates. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your competitor. Your spouse is your, is your teammate because your destinies are linked. So you need to work as a team. You need to solve problems as a team. You need to deal with issues as a team. Handle your in-laws as a team. You need to handle your finances as a team. You need to raise your children as a team. Everything has to be done with this operational guideline in mind. If not, there is no way you'll be able to build a happy or successful marriage. Think about the game of football, for instance. I like football, all right? Yes, I do. Think about the game of football. <laughs> you have attackers, right? Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, Neyman, Harry Kane, all of them. Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> eh? Lionel Messi yesterday, after what looked like one whole month, nothing was happening. Four goals in one match yesterday. Attacker, striker. Huh? <laughs> and of course, our own old faithfuls. We can't forget Kano Wankwa. We can't forget Finiti, George, Daniel, Amokachi. They're not playing anymore, but we can't forget them. Attackers, that's their own field of specialization. We have midfielders. Uh, legendary JJ Okocha, right? Huh? Can we forget him? And currently we have David Silva, Ngolo Kante, Luka Modric, all of them. Midfielders, Christian Eriksen, Mesut Ozil, all of them. Woo. We have defenders. <laughs> Old faithful ones like Sunday Olise and the gangly John Terry. I can't forget. I mean, whenever he, when he was in Chelsea that time, when, whenever he was at the back, he was like, Wherever the ball was coming from, either his, his head or his leg, something, 
he just had that build to be a good defender. And then we have current ones right now, Kaylon Nevers, Allison, and so on. David DeGuerre, yeah, I mustn't forget. All of them. <laughs> Everybody in their own place. Now we have those who are called utility players, right? That means they can do attack, they can do midfield, they can even do defense. Bernardinho, right? Diego Dalot, Antonio Valencia, all of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting what's happening in the EPL right now? Right? The sky is always blue, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, even though I think that uh, Tottenham have a great coach, like him or not, I think that guy is just is great. I mean, yeah, a little arrogant, but Jose Mourinho, I think he's, he's correct. He knows what he's doing. He's, he knows his thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Someone is wondering, is this church? This is church. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> teammates alright so I use that as an example look at that you see those who are good at defending those who are good at attacking those who are good in the midfield everybody stays in his lane and when they stay there they work in concert with every other person and as a result of that what we see as a great team a great March is the result of the coordination of everybody staying in their lane, but also working together as a team. Very powerful. Very powerful. Teammates, so listen, they do not always agree on everything. They may not always agree on everything. I mean, they cannot always agree on everything, but they focus on working together. They put their differences aside. And then they focus on working together. They put their differences aside. They focus on the fact that we need to win. We need to score goals. We need to carry this trophy. We need to qualify. We need to go get to the finals. That's the focus. And everybody puts their differences aside. And then they work together. You see, goals are scored in football as a result of teamwork. True or false? Yes. Sometimes someone is going and he's almost like face to face with the goalkeeper and you think maybe he will shoot from there. But what does he do? He passes to the other person. He passes to the left winger. And the next thing you know, he just mm, and then nets the ball. Why? It is team effort. It is team effort. This is the same spirit we must cultivate when it comes to building a happy home. You must remember and put this at the back of your mind that you are teammates you must cultivate this team spirit. Deuteronomy 32 verse 20. Deuteronomy 32 verse 20. It says, one shall chase a thousand, but then two shall put 10,000 to flight. No matter how much you can do for God on your own as a person, you must pay attention to working together as a team. When you work as a team, you cover each other's weaknesses. You see that? You cover each other's weaknesses. You reinforce each other's strengths. So your weakness won't be obvious. My weakness won't be obvious because we are covering up for each other. We are being teammates. You become stronger. You become closer. You become more efficient. You become more in sync. You become less lonely. You synergize. You become less stressed. 
all because you are operating by the law of oneness that talks about being teammates. How do you build this? I'll talk practically in the next few minutes that I have left, and then we'll be done. How do we enhance team spirit? How do we enhance this? Listen, no marriage succeeds by default. No marriage succeeds as a result of luck. No marriage succeeds because you love each other. No, love alone is not enough to guarantee a happy marriage. No, love alone is not enough that you love each other. Is not even a, it doesn't guarantee anything. Because many people whose marriages are sour today, when they started out, they loved each other. True or false? So that alone by itself is not sufficient. So it's not by luck. It's not just because oh, I love the Lord so my marriage will work out automatically. No, there are things you must know. There are things you must do intentionally. That is, you do it deliberately, consciously. The way we brush our teeth every day and take our bath every day and comb our hair every day and nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm tired of brushing my teeth. I'm 20 years old. I've been brushing my teeth for 20 years. I know do again. Does anybody do that? No, intentionally we do it every day, every day. In the same way, we must nurture team spirit intentionally. All right, so the first way to do that is to intentionally dream together. Intentionally dream together, dream together. Ah, even God said, come, let us reason together. Be willing to encourage each other. Be willing to encourage each other and each other's dreams. Dream together. We are in the days of chasing tens of thousands. Hallelujah. We are in the days of exploits. Whether you are in ministry or not is not even the issue. It's a dying world out there. There's so much going on. What is your family dreaming about doing? Husband and wife, apart from fighting each other, what are you dreaming of doing? <laughs> and making a difference in this world. What are you dreaming of doing? Be intentional about a clear vision. A clear vision for the family under the leadership of the husband who is the God-ordained head of the family. Under the leadership of the husband, there must be a clear vision for the family. There must be something we are pursuing as a husband and as a wife, as a family. There must be something we are pursuing as directed by the Lord under the leadership of the head of the family who is the husband. And I hope, I need to, I mean, I, I hope you, you get that, women especially. The man is the indisputable head of the family government. There's nothing you can do about that. Deal with it. He's the head. It is what it is. Why are you all so quiet? <laughs> Thank God I'm a woman too, so nothing spoiled. <laughs> Clear vision for the family. Without it, there will be no direction. That's where you even have time to fight. That's where you have time to be saying, I greeted you, you didn't answer. When you are waiting, you can't even wait to see each other because you need to give updates. You need to, you know, think about the next thing. You need to pray. You need to plan. You need to make a phone call and strategize because you are making a difference for the Lord. Clear vision. Aim for something. You must have your formation. Just like in football, it's either a 4 4 2 formation. I know they have modern variants now, or a 451 or 433 <laughs> formation. Any, whichever one it is, it's all about positioning yourselves to make sure that you carry a dream, carry a vision that you pursue to the glory of God. It could be in the corporate world, it could be about children, it could be about the elderly, it could be about whatever, but then there must be a dream and a vision that you're living for to the glory of God. 
when that is in place, you have no time to be fighting each other. No time. <laughs> You're working together. And then you find joy and fulfillment. You know, it is so gratifying when you are making a difference. I don't know if you, if you know what I'm talking about. Very, very gratifying. So plan together for the future with excitement. When couples work together, they can do anything. Hallelujah. Number two thing, how do you build team spirit? <laughs> This is closely linked to what I just talked about. Intentionally coordinate your efforts. Intentionally. The reason there's so much unhappiness in marriages is because people in marriage are living individualistic lives. Coordinate your efforts. Coordinate your efforts. Find a way to work together that uses your talents, your abilities, your giftings, your opportunities, Find a way to work together using all of these things, including even your availability. Explore your options. Be coordinated. Be coordinated. <laughs> ah, it, it's very sad how many couples are working against each other. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. They are actually working against each other. And that's why there's no fulfillment, because the basic law of oneness is being contravened. And that's why there's no happiness. You must coordinate your efforts intentionally, just like Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. They worked together. They preached together. They mentored uh, um, um, Apollos. They worked with Paul together. And that's the reason they were that effective. If you want to go fast, someone said, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go fast, I mean, if you want to go far, go together. The next one, how do you nurture team spirit? Is to be intentionally considerate. Intentionally considerate. Be considerate of your spouse. Considerate. Be considerate. Be considerate. Be considerate. You can't be you can't build a happy marriage when you are not considerate of the other person. At the roots of lack of consideration is selfishness. Selfishness. And just like in the game of football, selfish players undermine a team. You see someone, when he should pass the ball, he wants to be the one to score, or he wants to just possess the ball, and he wants to dribble from the midfield to go and meet the goalkeeper. How? <laughs> Selfish players, they undermine a team. It's the same thing. One thing that will work against your marriage working successfully is selfishness. And what do I mean by selfishness? Thinking about yourself all the time. It has to just be about you. Your way, how you want it, when you want it, every time. There's one little word called compromise. It's a beautiful word. Word. We're not talking about compromising your values or your faith. We're talking about giving ground to the other person sometimes. It doesn't have to be all about you all the time. Because for some people, there are only three ways of doing things. Only three ways of doing things. Number one, my way. Number two, my way. Number three, my way. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's so selfish. You must be intentionally considerate of your spouse and not make it seem like they are breathing. Even the air they are breathing is your own. Uh-uh. 
It's almost like say, even the air you are breathing is mine. My family, my career, my time, my agenda, my feelings, my money, my this, my car, my that. Ah, may God deliver us in Jesus' name. <laughs> True teammates show consideration for their partner's feelings. What is it like to be a wife to somebody like me? Have you ever thought of that? What is it like to be a husband to somebody, a woman like me? Consideration. Think about them. Try to understand what they always complain about. What is fueling it? Why is it so? Why is this important to her? Why is this important to him? Consideration. Consideration. Think of their own needs as well, not just yours. Think of their desires. Think of their preferences. What does this person prefer? First Peter chapter 2, verse 17a. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17a. He said, honor all men. And that includes your, your husband or your wife. Honor all men. All. What will he prefer? What will she prefer? Sometimes compromise for the sake of that person. That's how to build a happy marriage. I am an unrepentant news freak. I just love current affairs. I love to watch news. Unfortunately, I'm not a movie person. I don't like make-believe. I like things that stimulate my mind positively. So all the movies and all that, I know that they wrote the script and they are pretending. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't sit well with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so I love news, I love documentaries, I love to sit down, I've spent an hour watching something that better be something that has added value to me. Ah, not a, ooh, juju somewhere, what's that? <laughs> okay, so I love news. Now, if you love movies, it's fine, it's okay, it's all right. You're, it's your way of relaxing, it's okay. But you see, we don't get to watch TV all the time. You're just subscribing and subscribing, you hardly have time to watch. But sometimes now get time, just sit down and then you are downstairs and watching TV. Do you know my husband's idea of relaxing after he has had a busy week, he's tired, he's fagged out, he can hardly talk. Do you know his idea of relaxing? He's watching people fight. Ah, ah. How? How? How can you be relaxing seeing people? The whole house is vibrating. That's his own idea of relaxation. And then, sometimes they get, at a certain time, they are talking, you know? They are just talking and conversing. So you are talking too much. Eja, eja, eja. You are talking, ah, ah, how can you just want to watch people fighting? What is that? But for me, mine is watch news, sit down, see what's happening, and do analysis and find out what's happening and all that. So you know something? In the spirit of oneness and compromise, my husband too watches news with me sometimes. <laughs> and then I do analysis for him. Then sometimes too, I try. <laughs> I actually try. I try. I try. And then... And, I, and they are fighting, they are wrestling, they are beating each other. So I try, I try then. When I can't go back, carry my bag and go. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> That's the spirit with which we're supposed to operate 
We're supposed to compromise because we want to be intentionally considerate of the other person. Your wife has slept. Don't come home making noise and banging the door because it's 11 p.m. You came home late. She must get up and come and give you food. And she slept late and she will wake up early tomorrow to take care of the children for school. She'll wake up before you, but the whole house must know you have come. The lion has arrived. And madam, your husband just wants some peace. He wants, he's thinking, he, there's a project ahead. He's thinking, he's planning. No, no, no. So you did not buy the gas again. You didn't buy the gas again. <laughs> Be considerate. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Be intentional about honest communication. That's the next one. Honest communication. You want to build a happy home? You have to become a technocrat at communicating. Ah, this one. Vital. <laughs> communication. In good times, you must communicate. In not so good times, you must communicate. Because hidden resentments poison marriage. Hidden resentments. So if it bothers you, say it. If it's an issue, say it. Learn how to communicate. Learn when to communicate. Even for your children, you have to explain. You have to answer their questions. Pay attention to what works. Communication is all about transparent conversation, transparent, openness, transparent, where each person risks revealing their deepest thoughts, their deepest ideas, their deepest fears, their deepest hopes without fear of reprisal. So I'm not afraid that if I'm open that you would deal with me or you will revenge. Because for some people, ah, ah, you dare say that. And then they'll keep it in their heart and look for an outlet. They must revenge and lash back. That is devilish. Communication. Most times, what fuels conflict in marriages is, you know, issues that have been left unsaid, issues that have been left untreated, and unhealed wounds over time. So you have to be deliberate about communicating. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul said here, Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Can you see that? Anguish of heart and affliction. I still decided to reach out to you in tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you will know that I love you. Ah, look at that. He was not afraid to weep. He was not afraid to say, I love you and I cherish you. Be open. Be open. And then allow your spouse to be open. Don't fight them for saying something. Don't fight them. Dialogue is the most effective way to resolve conflict. Dialogue. Dialogue. I know this doesn't come naturally to us, especially in this part of the world, depending on how we were raised and all that. In any part of the world, in fact. Maybe sometimes the way our parents raised us. But it's something you must cultivate. You must learn about it. You must do something about it and cultivate. Can I share this truth with you that has liberated me over the years since I came upon this truth? And that is this truth that disagreement and disapproval are two different things. Disagreement and disapproval are two different things. Disagreement is not necessarily disapproval. 
Do you get that? Because many times the reason we find it hard to be vulnerable or to listen to the other person or to even open up is because we think that they disapprove of us. If someone disagrees with us, we think it means they disapprove of us. But that's not true. Disagreement is about issues. Disapproval is about persons. Disagreement is about issues. Disapproval is about persons. So it is possible for me to disagree with you while still loving you and respecting you. I love you very much. I respect you. I hold you in high esteem. I think the world of you, you are just great. But on this issue, I disagree. It's not a personal affront. I'm not fighting you. It's not an attack on your person. It's not an attack on your character. It is simply that on this issue, I have a different opinion because I'm different and I think differently about this matter. How many of you are with me today? If you get this, just this one point, if this is all you heard today, hold on to it. Stop personalizing issues. Stop taking issues personally. So, you, okay, so what you are saying now is that I am, I am, I am a fool, Abby. Bottom line. <laughs> Bottom line is that I am mad, but I can't think, eh? <laughs> eh so, eh, Kuku say it now. Kuku spell it out. Kuku spell it out. Let's know because you are trying to say now that I'm worthless in this marriage, Abby. Kuku say it. Grow up. Come on. It is possible to disagree with you without disapproving of you. I love you. I respect you. You are great. But on this matter, hey Joe, no. <laughs> I disagree. And that's why you have to learn to communicate. Go back and forth. Find your pros and cons. Find the best option. And if at the end of the day it looks like it's not working, defer to the man. That's what the Bible says. We are fine with it. Oga, go ahead. It is well. I'm with you in it. The Lord be with us. Amen. And if something goes wrong, don't come back and say, eh, did I tell you? When I said it that time, they said my mouth was smelling. <laughs> there should be freedom of expression. Be free to express yourself without fear of retaliation or fear of ridicule. Hallelujah. So that there will be no withdrawal and hostility and tension and quarrels and all of that. And uh, well, it looks like my time is virtually up now. Let me help you on this matter before I leave. Men and women communicate differently. Let me help you with that. Men and women communicate differently. Okay, so now we've said you should be open, you should communicate. That doesn't mean you should just go on and just talk anyhow. And me, everybody knows me. Oh, me, I say the truth. Oh, everybody knows me. I say my mind. Listen. <laughs> Love without truth is hypocrisy. So if you say you love someone and you're not telling them the truth, you're being a hypocrite. But, but, truth without love is brutality. When you say you are telling somebody the truth and you don't do it in love, you are being brutal. It's not correct. So don't say me, I say my mind, everybody knows me, even in our house, they know, even in my work, they know me, I say my mind, come, come, sit down. You do not have to injure somebody's spirit simply because you want to make a point. Wisdom. And then, do you know men and women communicate differently? And if you, if you grab this, <laughs> it will help you in communicating with your husband. I'm telling you. 
You see, men like to think through issues. They like to think through problems, especially when there's tension, when they are not, they don't have things under control. That's why those of you who complain and say, hey, hey I don't talk now, you don't say anything. You are not saying anything, leave him all. When a man does not have the answer, when a man is not on top of an issue, when a man is still trying to figure something out, usually he is quiet. Guys, true or yes? <laughs> Most times, he's not on top of it. He doesn't have a solution yet. He doesn't have the answer yet. He's trying to rationalize and think about it. He's not on top of it. He doesn't have all the answers. Usually a man will not talk about it. Because men like to think through issues. They think. They, even when they are under tension and they are angry, and they think. So they are rational. They are logical in their approach. Because one plus one must make two for them. So sometimes, you see, they want to take a walk. They want to walk and just clear their head and all that and all that. Women, on the other hand, hmm. While we are dealing with the issue as it's unfolding, we are talking. We are talking. We talk, we talk through the issues. <laughs> you know, we, we tend to, we, we deal with issues by talking. You know? So it's happening. There's no answer. There's no solution yet. Too, but as it's happening like this, you are analyzing. You are talking about it. Uh, you talk through the problem. Uh, let's sit down. We need to talk. Excuse me, please. Can we talk? Can you sit? We need to talk. That's the wrong way to approach your husband. That's for another day. You don't do that. Eh? Excuse me, please. <clears throat> Welcome, please. Can you sit? Can you sit, please? We need to talk. Ah, One invisible wall goes up like that. Immediately, you can't penetrate. Please, so we need to talk. We need to talk. No. Anyway, that's that. <laughs> so women like to talk through problems. And this can cause a serious breakdown in communication. So men, you see, if you need to clear your head, if you need to take a walk, you need to think, don't just storm out of the house and just leave. You know, you know what that does? When you leave and uh, you leave communication hanging, what it communicates to the woman is a message of abandonment. It communicates to her that you are abandoning her. Because don't forget, a woman needs security, okay? She needs security. So when you do that, it communicates, especially in heated moments, it just communicates that you're abandoning her and you make her feel insecure. Okay, so as a nurturer of the relationship, if you live without telling her, it causes anxiety. And that's why you see she reacts the more. Hey, where did you go? Okay, I locked the door. Where are you coming from? <laughs> and that's not to justify that. I mean, nobody behaves like that here. In this century, does anybody still behave like that? How? 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 What are you looking for? Ah, ah. The person didn't come to church today. Nobody behaves like that. <laughs> so what do you do in that instance? You need to clear your head. The tension is building up. Just tell her. Orente. I saw Eva Miki Orente. My Orente. Whatever. <laughs> I need to take a walk for 20 minutes. I'll be back after 20 minutes. Then we can talk. Okay? I'll be back. You see, that's better. And when you come back, initiate it. Don't just come back and sit down and expect that she will come. You said you'll be back in 20 minutes. 20 minutes are over. So call her and sit down and say, okay, so what exactly, can you just tell me what it is? That's for the men. That is for the men. And women, listen. Men are problem solvers. That's their nature. 
they think solutions. When something happens, the next thing, they are thinking solutions. That's why when you come and you say, ah, you won't believe what happened in the office today. You won't believe. Ah, this and that and that. He just interrupts you. I have told you. Write a memo to your boss and copy your manager. I've been telling you. Your solution, immediately. <laughs> That's how they are. But listen carefully. So before you begin talking through the issues, before you mention the problem first. What is it that needs to be fixed? Say it. Just say it. The problem is this. The problem is NEPA bill. The problem is school fees. The problem is the cash is supposed to go to this place. If we divert it here, this one we will fall short. State the problem. You are talking to a man, not a woman. State it first. State the problem first. Tell him clearly what needs fixing. And then, after that, you cannot start telling him the details of how you feel, uh, your concerns, and then end by offering suggestions. But you see how we do it, women? We reverse the order. We start with our feeling. So this Christmas, did you say we are going home? <clears throat> mm -hmm. What is it? Ah. Well, I, don't f I just feel that, I feel that, you know, I, I just feel that we don't need to go. You don't start from there. You, you have turned, you have reversed it. The man does not operate at that level. You see, men don't like drama. They don't like drama. Just cut out all of that. Go straight to the point. This is the matter, that is the matter. Give him something to work with. Give him something to think through. After that, you can now start analyzing, I feel, I don't feel, I think, I don't think. You don't start with that one. He's just looking at you. And it's not making sense. And that's why you cry and cry and cry. And at the end of the day, the man thinks you are just being manipulative. That's all. And then your cry doesn't mean anything anymore. How many of you are with me? <laughs> no emotional overdrive. No drama. State it. Offer alternatives that make sense. You are dealing with a man. You must make sense. You, ca you can't be happily married if you don't make sense. Oh. <laughs> ah! You must make sense. Do you know there are things I want to tell my husband? I do research and I write. My husband, we are very close, very close. There's nothing we don't talk about and we're very close. But because I know who I'm dealing with, I do pros and cons. Long-term, immediate. If we go by this, this one, that, this one, two minutes, I'm done. And then I say, uh, so um, I trust you to make the best decision for our family. And I don't say, so uh, you won't talk, you won't respond. He has heard you, he's not deaf. He heard you. Leave him. Let him think. Leave him alone. Can I begin to round off by saying, intentionally practice forgiveness. Intentionally practice forgiveness. Forgiveness. We are broken, imperfect humans, and we will fail our spouses repeatedly. We all have flaws. There's no perfect person. We are all on a journey, and we have issues that we deal with. You must understand that in the curriculum of life, forgiveness is not an elective. It is a required course. You have to learn to let go. Forgiveness says the fight is over. I will not try to punish you. That's what forgiveness means. The fight is over. I will not try to punish you. Pursue healing. 
instead of punishment. Pursue healing. How can we heal? How can we deal with this? Let's seek help. Let's resolve this. That is forgiveness. Pursue healing instead of punishment. Hallelujah. I challenge us tonight or this morning, instead of fighting the darkness, you bring in the light. Bring in the light. Show what is the right way. Build in concert with the Lord. Build on your knees in prayer. Only God has access to the inner recesses of a person's heart. No human being does. Pray. Commit their hearts to God. Be on your knees. Commit him to God. Commit her to God. Demonstrate what is right. Be not overcome by evil. The Bible says, Romans 12, 21, but overcome evil with good. Remember to remain teachable. Remember to keep learning. Don't assume that you know. Everybody and in every marriage, you'll be married to more than one person in your lifetime. That same husband, that same wife. In a lifetime, you'll be married to five different people in that same person. Look, who I am today is not who I was 10 years ago of five years into our marriage. Not even five years ago. Not even five years ago. Not even five years ago. Everybody will be evolving with time. So you must constantly know how to remain relevant by being teachable. Learn, read, ask questions, seek counsel. Don't pretend to know what you, you do not know. Remain teachable and make sure that you intentionally leverage your differences. That is how to build a happy home. Leverage your differences. Differences can be your greatest asset in your marriage. You do not have to think the same way. You do not have to do things the same way. Different is beautiful. Different is not bad. It doesn't mean he's bad or she's bad. It means, it means he is different and I'm different. Celebrate your differences. Work together. Pull together. Don't try to force the other person to be something else and try to force the other person to be something else. No, it won't work. Because God did not give us that power over any human being. Hallelujah. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your own marital inheritance in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, I challenge you to lay down your own weapons and take up those of the Lord. I challenge you, lay down your own weapons in building a happy marriage. Treat your spouse based on who you are. Not, on, not based on who they are. Who are you? That's the question. Who are you? Treat your spouse based on that. And build and build something that will last and speak generations from now in Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Say loud, amen. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, Reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.